Hello and welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. Uh, and uh, we've seen I, Tonya just now. My shoulder hurts, so I'm probably going to go, ow, a few times as I move about. My shoulder really hurts because I, I did it during football. I don't know what I did. I think I torn something. Uh, so did you win at football? Yes. <laughs> we won 6-5. So... I scored twice. And set up a last-minute winner. Oh, so it was worth it. So you are the champ that uh, uh, Tonya never got a chance to be. Yes. <laughs> I did a triple axel as well, but no one didn't get points for that before. <laughs> so what did you think of the movie? Um, I'm uh, neither here nor there on it. There are things I like, things I don't like. Okay. I feel the same way, actually. Uh, um, I've heard people really love it. And for reasons I can understand, but I'm a bit, I'm a bit uncomfortable with it. Uh, 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 that's not a word I would use. What, oh yes, I'm uncomfortable. Well, there are many things I love, like you know. So I love uh, the harshness of the mother. I love the way that Tanya Harding is depicted as living in this world in which all kinds of violence. You know, from her, her mother's psychic violence to her husband beating her up and so on are just kind of, are almost naturalized, right? It's just kind of... Uh, it's in the fabric. It's in the fabric of her life, right? Mm. Uh, I love the way that they make class a central issue. So, you know, her being national champion and having to work as a waitress and sewing her own costumes and the disadvantages that that brings and, you know, how she's actually being judged on her class uh, 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 as much as on her skating. All of those things I loved. Um, I love the way that it was funny, right? Kind of, it has a whole, it had a whole range of kind of tonalities that I love. So um, all of those things I liked. What I didn't like is that I sometimes felt it was talking down to or making fun of working people. How so? Uh, well, ev everybody, everybody who was working class was either dumb or violent, right? Uh, everybody who was middle class was nice and well-educated and supportive and, you know, a, a coach or a trainer or, yeah, like, and... Uh, uh, so I kind of, I thought the whole class thing whilst in many ways praiseworthy, it just didn't, didn't come out quite right for me. The middle-class people are supportive in a way, but they're also... But they're, it's um, the class thing... The, the tension in the class uh, uh, theme comes out through the question of conformity. They wanted to conform to... to so they, they wanted to stop playing heavy metal, and they wanted to have a, you know, a, a sort of... 2.4 children family that can be sold to America and you know they're, they're portraying the, the, the one judge says as much to Tonya to her face um, in a in a scene that I mean you never know how much of it is related to reality and um, mm. or, or how, how true it was to actual events and obviously the film uh, actually makes a big point of this throughout um, but yeah the one judge says to Tonya um, we are judging you on more than your skating and and it base and she, she's saying to her face, "You will never get a fair whack." Well, no, I I kind of I mean I I do see what you're saying, but on the on the other hand, 
there is this thing where uh, so she could have conformed she could change her nail polish she could change her music I mean that's not a class issue lots of working class people would have done it that well, becomes a think, personal well it issue. becomes a thing it becomes a thing then of being who you are it's not who she is that's what it comes down to why shouldn't she because she says because her skating is next to second to none right her skating is world class and if it's judged just on the skating then she wins every time so and it in and it's ostensibly a skating competition well I'm totally with her on that point well be that as it may we know that that is the case i mean you know uh i mean there's a there's a certain kind of performativity that we do or we all do in life in order to get along with people uh, so, you know, I kind of, I don't like how that's made a class issue, right? That somehow, you know, it's, it, she can't conform. She can't, you know, be, uh, she, I mean, you know, this thing about wearing her, the nail polish. I mean, the nail polish is an issue because it makes her seem working class, right? So, you know, kind of why she's so resistant to those changes. I mean, I just don't understand why she is. And the film doesn't illuminate me. So actually, all of those things become class things, and I think the film makes me uncomfortable with them. So for example, you know, in those scenes which take place in the kitchen as interviews, you know, does her hair really have to be that ugly, right? It's, it kind of, you know, it reminds me a little bit of those issues in Britain when, what were they called when people wore the Burberry hats? Chavs. And, uh, chavs. You know, I think there's a lot of kind of delight in the chavishness, yeah, of mm. of these characters that I don't like. Yeah, she oh she says I'm white trash. Well, yes, and actually that kind of white trashness is put on display for the delectation of cinema audiences in a way that makes me uncomfortable. Okay. I didn't feel that way I must say. I I felt that it's it's more of a you really feel it, it's not even like a pride it's not like that kind of thing of like redneck and proud mm. it's it's just a thing of this is who I am and, the, and the, the, the way I live and she doesn't feel the need to apologise for that at any point she fights the, the people who want her to change it and I, I like I say I, I, I'm completely with her on that and I don't feel it's been presented to the audience in a way that's meant to make you laugh at her or it's, it's kind of intended to titillate I don't feel it's like uh, you know those Channel 4 docs that they used to do or probably still do which are of Benefit Street I think was the, the one that made all the headlines mm. where it was just a street in Birmingham populated by people on benefits and mm. no jobs and um, and and it, and it was just being portrayed as actually the show I thought what I saw of it was kind of interesting but it was being portrayed in the media as this thing of let's laugh at the chavs let's look at the way they live ah. Um, I think there was an element of I don't this. feel there's an element of that in this I do uh, you know I thought in many ways so I mean it's hard to know in a way were people really that stupid you know I mean every working class person in this film is either it's they're stupid they're inelegant they're unkind they're brutish they're violent well, and they're uh, thick as shit who are, who are the working class people there's um, there's Tonya yeah. who is not Particularly stupid. She, she she's kind of sensitive to her own uh, sort of place in life, and and she argues. I mean, she's quite an interesting character. Her mother is not stupid. She's not she's not very loving, or she's loving in kind of a weird way. But she's not stupid. The, the stupid ones are the two blokes. 
There's the two blokes, the other two blokes that they hire. Um, well, I mean, those are the central characters. Those are the central And actually, I think there is something about the mother that makes her stupid. Okay. You know, because she's so uncompromising. She's so unkind. There's really not a trace of any kind of affection in a way that I find almost unbelievable. You know, that I just can't believe, you know, that a mother who invests so much in a child isn't shown with a, tr- with a trace of warmth. You know, just all this brutishness that kind of also seems so so counterproductive, really. You oh, know? yeah. Uh, that, I'd certainly give you that that's a kind of a, a type of stupidity, but that's not a kind of stupidity that, it, that I think is related to class. Okay, well, you know, I think maybe that's... That's a Maybe personal... that's something. So, I mean, and, and that's something, I suppose, in a way that one can see is, you know... Interesting in the film that, you know, the women are smarter than the men. That's for sure. You know, um, though I do think they have other other issues. Mm. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I laughed a lot. Yeah. And yeah. the film is funny. Uh, and the harshness is kind of, you know, funny in a way. Um, but there are things that just kind of made me uneasy. Like, you know, that I I kind of... Okay. I didn't respond to. I mean, but what about you? I've got to say, I mean, I, I think I pretty squarely disagree with you on the on the way the class is portrayed. I just disagree with the way you, you, you took it. But I can't I can't deny the way you took it. I just... I, I, I don't see that point of view really standing up. And I think it's actually more sympathetic than that. Yeah, so I'm, I, there might be a class issue here. And I'd be interested to see how other working class people respond to it. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm what well, I'm like the middle class guy going. Yeah, nice. Yes, this is the way they really are. <laughs> so, not to put too a fine a point on it, but you know, I it made me uncomfortable. Okay. Um, well, um, but it but it didn't me. I, I liked. To, I mean, the, I, so one thing I didn't like. It's interesting. It's the first one I've seen in in quite a while that I really haven't thought very much about during the movie. Like normally, my my mind in preparation for the podcast, in a way, my mind is kind of racing and it's coming up with with thoughts and things that I want to discuss. And during a lot of this, I was kind of switched off. Weirdly, it's only afterwards that I started really thinking about it. Um, I don't know what that says about the film or it says about me. But, um, no, I think it says something about the film because you know that I mean I love that Guillermo del Toro quote about kind of you know that films have to have like protein and that protein in film you know is visual mm. right and actually there was little going on visually you know I think the major visual work in the film was the transposing of the lead actress onto the skating of Tanya Harding right. And, and actually, if you looked at the credits at the end, so much of the credits were about that rotational device and, you know, kind of things yeah. having to do with transposing uh, um, Robbie's face onto, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, a stunt. It's not It's not yeah. Tony Harding, obviously, because That's it's right. been filmed for so, the film. But, uh, so I yeah. think those were the major visual efforts in the film. Yeah, well, there's, all, and also, there's also the transition between um, the, the interviews uh, being framed in 4-3... Um, and then the film being framed in it seems like the widest thing possible it's probably two, two, 22 to 1 yeah, it's incredibly sure. widescreen it's very wide it's kind of it's, it's, it's as if to emphasise like this is this is a documentary and this is a movie mm. you know the kind of epicness of it it doesn't 
I, I didn't hate it. it. It seems to not quite fit, but that's just its style, I guess. I mean, a, a film that does so much in close-up, like this does, to then do that in the widest frame possible, um, it, it doesn't fit the shape of a face. Like, it's not really for that. It doesn't kind of feel... Hmm. Uh, it doesn't fit, I don't think, actually, yes. that, that aspect ratio. I mean, I, I didn't think the film was doing um, much interesting visually. It was doing very interesting things narrationally, you know, so kind of, you know, particularly at the beginning when the, when the film is being, when the story is being told, and every so often the characters would look at the camera and say something didn't like... didn't like it. You didn't like that? No. Oh, I did like that. Didn't oh. like it. The film has a, has a... There's more than a touch of Wolf of Wall Street to it particularly with that so it's this thing of like it's 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 based on a true story and how much of it is really real and the characters are directly addressing the audience points mm. so in this the characters directly address the audience and say this didn't happen when you have competing accounts of domestic violence mm. in the marriage between Tonya and I can't remember her husband's name um, but her husband uh, you know she says he hit me this that and the other and she said uh, and he says uh, she, I never hit her, and she had a shotgun. And she, it's in the trailer. She has a shotgun, and then she. So you're watching this kind of memory slash anecdote slash invented mm. memory. And as she's wielding a shotgun, she turns to the camera and says, "I never did this." I love it. I don't like that. I do. Too cheeky. It is it. cheeky, and it's fun, and it sets up attention around kind of you know uh, the story being told and how the film is telling it. I like that very much, actually. And that resulted in some of the best laughs in the film. And also in kind of, you know, creating spaces of doubt around the whole narration, right? Like, you know, there are kind of different perspectives on it. And I like the way that the film kind of did that, right? Because it kind of, it lent credence to a certain point to each of the characters' perspective. So it wasn't all about Tonya Harding. There, You know, the moments where the mother spoke... Like, you know, it was kind of like, in a way, the mother's story to tell. And the, and the moments where the husband spoke, it was the husband's story to tell. Yeah. So, you know, and I think uh, uh, that thing created kind of very interesting variations in tone and also kind of a point of view on the narration. I agree with all that. So the film, the film primarily does that through um, the use of these uh, restaged uh, video interviews. These are the things that have been shot on tape mm. uh, ostensibly and, and, are, and are shown on screen in full frame as opposed to widescreen. And then so it'll, it'll show uh, the husband saying, you know, and then this happened and then it kind of goes down. And he might narrate a little bit in voiceover and Tonya does the same thing and the mother does the same thing. And so you're absolutely right, it, it works in that way. But I think that actually the film is so successful in, in doing that just through that technique, the addition of these four or five moments where a character breaks the fourth wall, speaks directly to the camera, mm. I think they jarred for me and they felt quite necessary and they felt, like I say, too... too they were trying too hard for me. Right. No, I... I just stylistically, I, that's just... I just didn't respond I mean, to I like that. And, and frankly, that's amongst the most interesting stylistic flourishes the film has, which I are still that. narrational rather than visual, really. Well, yes, you know. that's certainly true. Uh, so... Uh, um, but it, it's like it, it, Wolf of Wall Street did a bit of it, and also the the other Wall Street film, the um, the other one, Margot Robbie was in a bath in it. Remember that? What film was it? The one where Brad Pitt cries for for the working class. 
The Big Short. The Big Short. The Big yeah. Short. And there's the, there's the moments in it where they go, okay, now just to explain a thing that like a, a term that you've seen on TV, we're going to have Margot Robbie in a bath explaining to me. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah that's they, right. Didn't work in that. I mean, it, it, it did its job in that. Well, you like you you like that bit. I remember. Yeah, um, I like that film, but there was something about. I think I like it less in, in retrospect. Anyway, anyway, kind of you know, to me, what's interesting about this film is that you know, is is the mother daughter thing. So in a way, what I don't like about it is that it's so uncompromising. You know that it it it, it makes uh, uh, Tonya Harding on the one hand the victim of everything, and including to the end, which actually you know I was moved by that with the boxing bit. You know, I kind of, um, it made me feel extremely sad and sorry for her. Um, but on the other hand, I kind of, I don't know, I'm, I'm contradicting myself now because, mm-hmm. you know, you think to be a top athlete like that, you have to have a will of steel, you know, you have to be like completely disciplined, right? And there are moments where the film shows the toughness, you know, the killing of the rabbit with the father, you know, the way that she's mechanical. And so in a way, she's a woman who can take care of herself. You know, she not only knows how to handle her skates, but her car, (laughs) right? There are all of those things. But on the other hand, I just kind of... I thought too much is also made of the externals, of the mother's effect on her, of, you know, the husband beating her up and... You know, and so on. That in a way, kind of. But I suppose she fights back. So I suppose I'm I'm contradicting. She's myself. not a victim. I mean, she doesn't let herself be a victim at all. Or, or, or at least in the moments, kind of when she does, there's a kind of. So she she gets back together with the husband for three weeks or three months, and she says, "I'm just I've got to stick this out for three months, and there's going to be abuse yes. because I have to do this in order, in order to, to get into the Olympic yeah. team." So that's right. So she's willing to go quite far in order to win. Yeah. I think um, the thing about the mother is there is really no love there. Like I was, I was trying to think of a way of expressing it as like maybe maybe she expresses her love through somewhere, but actually she really doesn't. And this thing about how she, she has uh, other kids uh, by other other husbands and you don't see any of them. Any you never hear any reference to them. No, like she is the only one problem. And, and she expresses no love for Tony either. And, even, and that moment right at the end well, of the she, film where you think love is going to be expressed now. She says, I'm proud of you and all the rest. And it turns out that she's doing it to try and get a dictaphone confession from her for the press. Yeah. Or maybe the FBI, you don't know. Yeah. I like, mean, there really is no love there. And actually, what she believes in is work. She works She works to support her family and support the kid and, and to get the kid into skating so she can afford to skate. Yeah. And then well, I think so that... she passes that on to the kid. You've got to work. I suppose that's a kind of love. And she, she certainly says it is. Um... But, but what you mentioned about the other kids is, to me, also an issue in the film, which would have fleshed out that character, right? Because ostensibly, Tonya is the fifth kid, right? Mm-hmm. So where are the four others, right? Yeah. And what's, what's the mother's relationship with the four others? And is it different? Is, you know, is it something to do with, with Tonya skating? Or is that just the kind of person that... Um, who's the actress who plays her? Alison Janney. Yeah, who's fantastic, she is. You know, I must say. Um, but I think I think the character is missing something. I just kind of, you know, I could see I could see both the Tonya, the Tonya Harding character and the mother, you know, being camped up in a gay club as a drag routine of some kind in a way that's unpleasant. And actually, I think part of it is that it does lack 
you know, a more rounded humanity, really. Yeah. Perhaps. I, I think I, the real purpose, I suppose, of the uh, mother character is to reflect on Tonya. And it's to reflect just the idea that there has been absolutely no... Like, she's... The love that Tonya lacks in her life... And actually, the, what it's been replaced with, which is kind of brutality and violence, mm. reverberates throughout her life, mm. you know, and it leads her to. And I, and there is some quite frank conversation in the film that really talk about this that um, uh, she she believes her entire life that she's just not really worth anything, and that and that she should live with being beaten up. Yes, you know. I mean, well, her, mother, her mother says that to her. Her mother said in a way that suggests like you should not tolerate this. Yes, but then. Her mother just sort of switches back into no, actually, probably you're not worth it. Yes. Yeah. Well, her mother says it's probably good for you, <laughs> right? Or so a line, some such Something. line. Uh, uh, so I don't know. I kind of, um, I feel, I feel, I feel ambivalent about this film. Really, um, there's um, there's one thing which I did find quite interesting, which is, and again, this is actually related to Wolf of Wall Street. Something I was going to bring up slightly earlier when I was talking about it. Um, which is there's one point where there's a real direct address to audience and not in the way, not in the, the breaking out of the, of the uh, memory bit. It's, um, it's in one of the interviews and it's Tonya. To, this is when the Nancy Kerrigan thing has happened and they're all in the aftermath of who knew about mm. what was going on uh, and who did it and who didn't know and so on. And Tonya is portrayed basically as a victim in this. Mm. Um, she's portrayed as she knew about sending uh, threatening letters mm. to Nancy to put her off her stride, but then the lads took this to a thing of and let's kneecap her as well, which she had no idea about. And in talking to the camera and thus the audience, when she's you know forty years old or so, I suppose, mm. she says something like she says she says I was loved for a minute, mm. then I was hated. Uh, then it was a punchline. Mm. And all of you, meaning the audience, mm. all of you were my attackers. You were all responsible for this. Mm. Which is, and Wolf of Wall Street is right at the end of Wolf of Wall Street. It's this thing of, you don't get the ending that you want in that film. Um, the guy who's done all this horrible stuff doesn't get put away, or he does, but it's like a holiday resort. Mm. And he just ends up teaching another group of people, like you or I, to, you know, crave money and wealth and the rest. Mm. So it... Perpetuates and, this is, and I love that. I mean, I don't, know, I don't know what else to say about it other than I love that attack on the audience that hopefully mm. makes people think about themselves because it's obviously she's obviously huge in America, Tony Harding, and the story. Well, persists. It was an international story. I remember when it came out. Right, uh -huh. um, but the story persists in America in a way that I think the rest of the world is not as interested yeah, in yeah. these days. She remains huge, and and, and as she says, she remains a punchline. Um, people forget that she had real achievements. Um, and and I, I just love that that sort of the audience members of the audience might go oh shit yeah I actually <laughs> maybe I, I was a bit, kind of a prick I think what I think the only moments that I that I felt really touched by you know that kind of I felt increased my understanding and so on were um, were the moments of her already being you know a national champion I think or coming in second or something and, you know, being number one or two in the country mm. and, you know, having to sew her own costumes and then kind of when, you know, when she didn't make the team or something, 
working as a working as a waitress, mm. right? I.e., that you forget that these athletes, you know, unless you're 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 funded by the by your family, or unless you're so huge that you get you know some kind of endorsement deal, you know that basically, you know, there's no money in it. It is kind of amateur, and if you are from a working class family, then these things actually cost a lot of money, right? Um, oh yeah, there's that. I mean, it's not a sport for poor people to get into, and it's kind of amazing that she could be supported to get into it the way that she was. Yes. Basically, if you, if you if you play football, as in English football, um, that's cheap. You know, you only need a football or anything that can pass as a football and some jumpers for goalposts. You don't yes. even need your mates. You can play keepy-ups. In America, I suppose you can play basketball. That's pretty cheap. So mm. sports beyond that take equipment yeah. and expense. Yes. And, uh, and, you know, there's a reason that football kind of worldwide, particularly in third world countries, is completely dominant. Yes. It's because it's easy to play. Yes. And actually, I think that, you know, there's also reasons why um, sports like figure skating end up being middle class and up. You know, mm. uh, the price of the skates, of kind of, of a rink, and later on costumes and music and dance routines and so on and so forth. I mean... Uh, you know ballet lessons it's that we see her. It's a sport that's tied up with class. Yeah, it is. Um, so, so I think in in all of those aspects, then the the film, to me, is very very interesting. So, to me, the kind of the the axis which I liked were the mother daughter relationship, you know, which I think you know are to me are always interesting and actually much rarer in current cinema than they have been in the past. Though this year, I think you could say that. You know, three billboards also, mm. in in some ways, revolved around that, uh, and I'm sure there are more. The casualness of the violence, of the marital violence, you know, I thought was very interestingly done. Yeah, kind of. Uh, it becomes um, a day to day thing. Because, and she's not scared of it either, and she's often the cause of it, right? So you you do kind of see a complexity around that violence, mm. uh, uh, you know, which <clears throat> which I find. Uh, uh, very interesting and then the class issue so in a way kind of you know that's a lot to praise in a film mm. so um, so I'm not sure kind of you know why I remain kind of unsatisfied with it actually um, but I do kind of you know when the film ended I kind of you know I, I wasn't in a mood but it's almost like you wish you'd liked it more really mm. like you know, the audience did respond, you know, the kind of particularly to all the jokes. So I think there was also something that I didn't like in that laughing. There was a laughing at these people from the audience that I didn't like. I um, felt once or twice. Mind you, I laughed at the Nancy Kerrigan bit. This is the thing, this is the thing that when, when, um, uh, <laughs> when Tonya says to the audience, you know, you were my attackers. Well, A, I, I didn't know about it at the time. It's in 1993 and I was five or six years old. Um... But uh, but the thing that I've always found funnier since then is is Nancy Kerrigan going why why I mean that really makes me laugh <laughs> and I know it makes me a horrible person but I'm like actually that's the, that's always been funny to me um, much funnier than Tonya Harding well um, I'm sorry well do you want to say anything else because I feel like I've run out of things to say really. yeah there's one there's one or two other things I had in my mind uh, the film is really squarely aimed at America yes. Um, it, I don't think it plays as well in the UK as it would in America. The film, uh, as you say, it was an international story. I'd be interested to get other people's reads on this, uh, f- from Americans and from non-Americans. Um, 
uh, obviously it was at, it was international at the time. The Winter Olympics is the Winter Olympics. It's it's you know huge um, around the world. But as I say, I think in the in the years since, the rest of the world has let it go mm. uh, in a way that America hasn't. It's it it remains big in America. Mm. Um, the reason that I know about it is because I watch a lot of American TV and that sort of thing. So mm. like otherwise I. Otherwise, I wouldn't, I think, know about Tony Harding and Nancy Kerrigan. Yes. And the film is, I think, there's a, there are points where it's saying, you know, I was the biggest face in the world and people recognised me all over and they're kind of going, that's probably true, but I, it's like you're trying to convince me that she's still that huge around the rest of the world. Yes. I don't think she is still. The film is, is, I suppose, also making an argument about celebrity and the role of celebrity... I mean, I was thinking of what's the point of the Bobby Cannavale character, right? To the hard talk. Is it hard talk or something like that? Yeah, he's yeah, basically a TV journalist Yeah, guy. a TV journalist. You know, and obviously that's a dimension of the film that the film has worked at. You know, but it kind of passed me by. I mean, I kind of can't quite make out what the film is saying about fame and celebrity and so on. You know, except that when they... St- you know, they sense blood, they go for it. Yeah. Um, but that's nothing mm. new, really. There's also this thing about uh, about it being American century, which is um, this speak, this talk. There's all this talk in the first half of her being the first U.S. woman to do a triple axel. Yes. And 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 you're going, okay, well, first woman to do a triple axel, that's kind of good because like men and women are split up in sport for a reason, right? Mm. They don't really compete on the same terms. But first U.S. woman to do a triple axel, that's meaningless, really, to me. That's meaningless. Like she could be the first French woman or the first Canadian woman or. It, yeah, the, the nationality is not special it's only special to Americans and I think an English audience listening to that does not care I mean it would have been interesting and this is something that I hate I mean I, I hate it about the British coverage of the Oscars where you know they'll say oh Michael Caine got nominated for the Oscar you know and Michael Gambon or something and you think yeah who the fuck are the other three right like it drives me crazy um, so this is an instance of that, I suppose, in an American context, which it would be interesting to know, were there other women in the world who had performed it? Well, the right? point is that, obvi- that, uh, set, that, that, that narrowing the phrase down to first US woman yes. clearly says that someone else has done it, because otherwise you'd say first woman in the world. It's perfectly legitimate to be proud of that as a country. It's to, perfectly legitimate to want to make a film about that person. To be honest, kind of, you know, I wouldn't be too sure of that. I mean, you could argue that the US has become so insular uh, in the last decade <laughs> that, you know, for all you know, there aren't other people who've completed that uh, uh, that move in the world and they just don't care. They just are concerned that it's the first American, rather, you know. Well, I'm just going to find out. Find because, out. That that would because be otherwise they would be screaming about it as a world achievement, I think. They would. And you're probably, I, you're I, most I, likely right. I know that this is a country that, that considers... A, a, an all-American competition to be a World Series. Yes. You know, well, actually, I think there's a couple of Canadian teams in it, but yeah, I don't think they're quite... Um, here we are. Uh, 1988, Midori Ito from Japan became the first woman to land the triple axel jumping competition when she first performed it at the 1988 NHK Trophy. Since then, seven other women, including Tony Hardy, have succeeded in completing the jump in international competition. Okay. So was Tonya Harding the second woman? Uh, I don't know if she was the second, but no. she wasn't the first. Um, she was just the first American, and that's, that's kind okay. of the point. And like I said, I, I mean, the thing about the BBC thing, we did, kind of, we did talk about this, and I slightly disagreed with you, I think. Because I, I think one of the things was that that page that you were looking at, that you complained about, the Oscars page, was a live page, and it was updating. Because by, by the time I looked at it, I saw all the nominees on there. 
Well, I get that and I acknowledge that and I saw it happening. I saw it unfold in those ways. Yeah. But then it, that's not the only outlet, you know, like often I've read The Guardian or The Telegraph or whatever and their, and their coverage is often just who the British nominees were. Yeah. So it, it drives me crazy. <laughs> there is one last thing that I had uh, noted down about the film, uh, which was um, something that the film slightly preempted me on because I was thinking quite early on this is really, really similar to the O.J. Simpson documentary, that huge nine-hour documentary that won, I think it won the Oscar. Hmm. Um, O.J. Made in America, it was right. called. Um, uh, it reminds me of that because there's... The, so actually, the stories of O.J. Simpson and Tony Harding are similar in a number of ways. So they, they, they start off as kind of preternaturally talented at their sports. Mm. O.J. was uh, American football. Um, they achieved one very specific thing, which was uh, the triple axel for Tony Harding. And O.J. had this, I think he ran a thousand yards mm. uh, in a season. Or there was something about the distance that he ran was, was a record. It was huge. And his thing was running. Because actually, the first three hours of that OJ documentary, you can, you can only go so far with that comparison. Well, hold on, because um, it goes. There's go on. So the first three hours of the OJ documentary, what they did for me was, it spends three hours, which is the length of two movies, before it gets to the murder, which is amazing to me. But I realised that it has to, it has to explain in so much detail the background and actually why this guy was so. Famous, why this crime became the biggest thing in the world. Because well, I never realised that. I grew up beyond was, after that. He was beloved right. and very charismatic. And he became a kind of film star and, you know, yeah. uh, a national figure, you know, endorsed, endorsing various things. And, you know, the, the thing about O.J. Simpson is that he, he, I mean, before, obviously, you know, that incident... He exuded a kind of a warmth and a charisma and so on. Mm. And actually with Tanya Harding, you get the sense that it's the opposite. Oh, that sure. she looks hard, right? And yeah, and sure. has the opposite of warmth, actually. And, it, and actually that's kind of also tied to class, you know. Um, but then so, there's this other thing of, of uh, um, a culture of domestic violence in their household. Oh, yes. that's Which is true of both yeah. of them. And actually one of the failings, maybe the only failing I really thought of in the OJ documentary was that it didn't tie that it didn't explore the relationship between domestic violence and American football, which I think um, you actually see. I mean, there are a number of American footballers who have been uh, embroiled in domestic violence no. and sort of scandals and things. Like Ray Rice was one of them in the last few years. Um, and the idea of it being a sport which is which is about violence, yes. about kind of crushing your opponents. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, no, that's so that, that, yeah. there's a relationship between uh, OJ and, and, and Tony Harding there. And then obviously this the crimes... Um, Ended up being huge twenty-four hour news TV scandals, which yeah. is which is what the film makes a point of. The film shows OJ uh, being like watched outside his house yeah. on twenty-four hour news. And actually, um, the times are not very far apart because I think one is ninety-three and the other one is ninety-four or something, something like that. Something like that. They're very very close together in time. Um, but again, there's there's a relationship there. So the and the film. Uh, uh, also makes a point in dialogue of saying this was the birth of the 24-hour news cycle. We needed to fill all this time. Yes. So that's why we were stationed outside Tonya's house showing nothing. Yes. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I think that maybe that's, that, that's what's really tied into the idea of celebrity, like this kind of fall from grace. Or um, Well, I think... Well, she, she never had grace, Tonya. I suppose that's the difference. Mm. Um, you know, OJ was a real kind of crumbling, whereas Tonya was... Never quite made it to begin with. What people were expecting of her. Yeah. Like, people, um. Yeah. Anyway, I want to talk a little bit about the performances because though I think Alison uh, Janey's fantastic. 
<laughs> you know, and and she's she gives a a, a, a brilliant uh, a thought through uh, uncompromising uh, performance. But what did you think of Margot Robbie? This film turned me around on Margot Robbie. Mm. I was not really convinced by her at any point before this. Mm. I'd seen her in The Wolf of Wall Street, and I'd seen her in The Big Short doing a cameo, and I'd seen her in Suicide Squad, and I wasn't hugely convinced by any of them. I mean, in Suicide Squad in particular, I thought that... I mean, that film was kind of a dumpster fire anyway, so... <laughs> right. <that laughs> but, um, like, she, she seemed... To, uh, like, Harley Quinn should be kind of filthy and dirty and, and nasty and naughty, and, uh, and, sh- and she seemed to me like, like a kind of like a rich girl playing at being mm. naughty, but then actually everything else in that film was such a failure that I can't really put the blame on her for that. Mm. But this film, I thought, I'm, I'm not going to enjoy her in this. And I loved her performance uh-huh. so much. I thought she she really, she gives herself over to the film, over to the character. Like There's an element of, is it, is it Monster, the Charlize Theron film? Yes, where she sort of made herself ugly to win an Oscar. There's, yeah. there's a little bit of an element of that, but not very much actually. Most of the film, she's playing kind of twenty three years old yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. or younger, though she's kind of sort of sort of fit and young and attractive. Um, she, when she when she when she puts there's that shot right towards the end of the film where she's preparing in a dressing room and she's putting a makeup on. Yes. It reminded me of this short film that I saw called Magnificat, which I can't find anywhere and I'd love to know if anyone can find it, which was just this film of a woman putting makeup on then covering her face in it. Mm. Um, and her face kind of goes through changes. Yes. I, I, just as she moves it, you know, she, she goes into a smile but she's crying and she's mm. staring at the camera and her eyes are huge. It's amazing. Yes, that's and very she, good. It doesn't really seem very much like that. Um, and, and when she cries in... Uh, in court, when she when she's sentenced yes. and she's not allowed to skate anymore, that's what moved me in the film. That's oh. the moment where I was moved right. because she properly is breaking down. Yeah, so this good. means so yes. much to her, and the performance is selling it so much. I thought I thought she was fucking great. Yes, I thought she was very good. Um, I, mm, I kind of I feel I feel all the things that you say are true. Um, but nonetheless, I kind of, I don't know how to describe it. If it's a lack of warmth or, you know, I do think that kind of, I, I, I would have liked to have been shown, uh, um, I, I don't know. I suppose greater warmth. <laughs> yeah, like I she's not a warm person, really. No, she's 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 someone who you can feel the kind of striving for that in who she is. But yeah, but she's uh, her her upbringing and the world in which she lives doesn't allow for that. But at the same time, she doesn't want to leave it. She doesn't want to conform to this to this different notion of who she should be by all all the judges and all the people who who represent mm. skating. She, you know, she wants to be who she is, but. That kind of, but there can be no connection with people around it because that's not what they're like. Yes, well, you may be right. So I'll, I'll have to think about this. Some I'm not more. saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that's. I think she's really, really complex. And uh, well, but if she were more complex, we would have seen more sides. And actually, you know, yeah, I, I do feel that. Um, yeah, I kind of. I mean, I think I think you're right. Like you know, as a performance, what she does in many ways is great. 
as a kind of a star personality or something. I just feel a bit ambivalent about it because, you know, kind of, I, I didn't feel, I, I didn't empathize enough or I didn't identify enough or I didn't understand enough. So, you know, I was a bit distant from a performance. So I feel like, you know, slightly coldly admiring. Hmm. I, I mean, I, I think that's more... Um, down to who the character is than, than how it's played, probably. Yes, you're probably right. Um, um, I think, like, I mean, I, I really loved her in it, so I can't, I'm not going to say a bad word about her. Like, I didn't think she did anything wrong. I didn't think that was a bum nut. I thought, gosh, she's got this. Right. She's got it down. Okay, <laughs> and what did you think of the husband? Uh, as, as a... <laughs> I get why everyone back then would have hated him. Hmm. I suppose I don't know anything about the husband. He's not one of the people in the story that I'm familiar with from external. Well, let me put the question um, differently, which is, what do you think of the actor playing the husband? Um, I, th- I, I don't dislike him. But I, I, I mean, I thought he was. I didn't think he was special, but I thought he was sort of fine. Like I got, I, I kind of got that 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 feeling of of how he could keep sort of ensnaring Tonya back into his life, you know, when she should be leaving and she kind of she 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 kind of fights her way out at certain points, but she keeps on taking him back and I thought I could get how this guy could do that to her. Yes. Uh his name is Sebastian Stan. Mm. Um yeah, I I thought he was technically technically good, but again kind of left you cold. Yeah. Uh, so anyway there's a lot of very uh, unattractive characters in this film that's for sure which some people would see as a credit ugly yes. on the inside it's very uncompromising <laughs> do you mean ugly on, the, on the, ugly on the inside or outside or both no no uh, I meant on the outside but <laughs> you know uh, sorry I meant on the on the inside oh, right. yeah they're kind of you know they're unattractive people in terms of their character uh, uh, obviously physically kind of they're all you know uh, attractive, um, though I don't think he's, he's. You know, I think to, I would have liked somebody more charismatic in that role. Let's put it that way. Uh, at the Academy Awards, it's been nominated for Best Actress uh, for Margot Robbie, Best Supporting Actress for Alison Janney, and Best Editing. I hope it wins uh, for Alison Janney. Uh, looks likely that it will. The other the other nominees are Mary J. Blige from Mudbound, Leslie Manville for Phantom Thread, Laurie Metcalf for Lady Bird, and Octavia Spencer for Shape of Water. I think I think Alison Janney's being touted as absolutely the winner. Uh-huh. Well, I, I hope uh, she wins, though. I love Leslie Manville and Phantom Threat. Margot Robbie, I think, is great, but she doesn't stand a chance next to Frances McDormand, unfortunately. Frances McDormand knocked down anyone. Well, yeah, I think I think you're probably right, though. Frances McDormand has won. What did she win for? Fargo. Did she? Yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, there you go. And it's a very similar performance. I, I, the only time I watched Fargo was um, a long way away. I was, I was sitting at the back of a coach going to Switzerland and it was on the TV right at the front. And so I, I, don't, I haven't seen Fargo, is what I mean. Show off. I was on <laughs> the back of a coach in Switzerland. <laughs> yeah. you know, and the Alps distracted me. <laughs> the TV was a very, very long way away. Um, so, um, final thoughts? Um, I think it's a film that... A lot of people are going to talk about. I think in many ways it's a very attractive film. 
in the sense that it explores issues in an interesting way. So by attractive, I mean that it has a series of attractions, not that the film itself is very attractive. I'm not making much sense now, really. Um, It it left me very ambivalent, but I think it's a film that people should see and that some will uh, uh, enjoy a lot, and it certainly kind of gives food for thought. I'd say I've had a very good time talking about it, and it's actually, I I like it more. It's one of these films that uh, I'm, I'm liking a lot more now discussing it than I did in the cinema. In the cinema, I was I was put off by the director dressed to camera at times, and I was put off by the way it was the way it looked and the way some of the shots were composed. Um, despite the things that I did like about it as well, and and as I said, like it was a film that while I was watching it, I wasn't thinking anything, which mm. is not actually that pleasant a feeling. Mm. You know, I, some people like to switch off, but I haven't found that I like to switch off. I like to be kind of mentally active while I'm watching something. So <laughs> cabbage. Well, um, but I like it more now. Like no. talking about it, I think actually it's got real qualities. Yeah. Well, I I was engaged uh, uh, with it, um, but but not necessarily always in a positive way. I mean, I think that, that you know there were things that kind of put me off um, off it, uh, uh, and actually. You know, this idea that, you know, some of the situations between the mother and the daughter, you know, will become part of a drag act at some point, like the Joan Crawford story, you know, I can almost bet on it. And that's that's not a credit to a film. Right. <laughs> yeah, harsh words. Uh, so but if um, anyone knows drag, I don't know drag, really. I've heard of Cher. Well, that doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> you You... You heathen. <laughs> um, I'm a gay Philistine. Um, so anyway, let's end it here. I yeah. Hope. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on other stuff, iTunes. Yes. And and we welcome your feedback. So actually, if you feel differently about this film, which I'm sure many of you will, do drop us a line. Yeah. Is Tony Harding a you know, feminist hero? I, I think many people will say yes. <laughs> it's, interesting that, it's interesting that the film is kind of an attempt to really rehabilitate her, isn't it? Like, she's basically someone who I don't think has ever... She's been reviled, basically, since it happened. And everyone's gone, now she's a figure of fun. The film is kind of an attempt to rehabilitate her. She doesn't come out very uh, negatively in it. Yes, though she doesn't come across... I th- Well... It's interesting, like, she, she doesn't come across at any point as anything other than a victim, really. And although although there is that thing where she constantly says, this wasn't my fault, this wasn't my fault, becomes a catchphrase in a way that suggests, like, well, it partially was my fault. But I don't want to take a responsibility. But, like, the but film actually doesn't back it up with what it shows you. Like, no. she says, she denies it's her fault, but then the film goes, no, it actually wasn't her fault. Yes, yes. It's weird. It is weird. Um, mm. Yeah, it's, it's kind of... It's one of the things that I don't like. Uh, so, you know, because that line, it wasn't my fault, is a catchphrase. It's, and you get the feeling that, you know, she's a person who doesn't want to take responsibility for any of her actions. And and then kind of, you know, from the film's point of view, the film makes you understand why really, like, yes, yeah, she was a victim and she continues to be a victim. And there's a, and there's a tragic aspect to her story, like, you know, kind of so... You, you know how in the boxing film they're all working class stories about kind of people who have to make their life being brutalized physically, mm. right? Like that, you know, kind of their bodies are like the 
the site of struggle, of class struggle. That's what you see in this film. And actually, maybe that's a great, that's a great thing. You know, so kind of maybe that's one of the, 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 the things that the film is doing so well, that it's kind of, you know, it, it's, showing it, it's showing it that way, but through a woman's body. Uh, um, so, but there's something kind of unpleasant about, like a woman constantly being, you know, beaten up, first by her husband, and then at the end, in the ring. Right, mm-hmm. and but actually, that's what makes it tragic. So again, it is you know, a very I, tragic ending. It's yeah, a good ending. Uh, um, so so, and she says as much like violence is all I've ever known, really. So this is what I have to sell myself as doing now. Now that I can't skate anymore and do what I yes. Want. So so maybe that's kind of part of the ambivalence comes from a good place. Um, in any case, the film showing you something you don't like, but actually it's something you need to see. Maybe. Mm. Uh, uh, so uh, certainly, we recommend that you see it. Yeah, for sure. Are we good? Okay.